following podcast is scheduled for one fall with a 60-minute time limit. Coming to the microphone, hailing from Hayes, North Carolina, Playboy Brian Brickhouse and his podcast partner, hailing from the Ozark Mountains, J.T. Hall. Together, they are known as Take Four Wrestling. This is Take 4 Wrestling, Episode 1. I'm Brian Kilby, and I am joined by JT Hogg, Joey Roberts. Hey, uh, Joey, how's it going? Oh, not too bad. How are you doing today, Brian? Not bad. Um, This is the first episode of Take 4 Wrestling. We call it Take 4 because it's Radio Free Cybertron's fourth take on a wrestling show. And if this one doesn't work out, I'm never doing another. (laughs) Well, this is my first podcast, so I might have some growing pains. Uh, we had you on Get the Skinny a couple well, months that's... back. So it's your second appearance. That's right. I'm becoming a veteran. And you got to hang out with all of us guys at uh, BotCon this past year. It's kind of like being on a podcast. That's true. I did watch the. Uh, I watched an RFC be uh, recorded live. Oh, I forgot about that. That was uh, that was pretty interesting. It was, But uh, I like the fact that when you guys are all sitting around in the room, you guys talk like you're on the podcast anyway, even when no, nobody's recording. Yeah, I know. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it works out well that way. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, so yeah, Take 4 Wrestling. We Basically, I think the the we're, we're going to have some recurring segments. We may have some people uh, drop in and out over time. Um, I think primarily speaking, though, what we're going to do is we are going to take uh, a card that uh, – like a wrestling show – and uh, talk about it. Uh, talk about it each week. Maybe have a little bit of uh, discussion about things in the news that may interest us. But we're primarily going to be pulling from things that are on the WWE Network. Uh, so this week we're going to talk about a little bit about uh, the Royal Rumble from 1992. Uh, we're also going to talk about um, like our favorite gimmick of the week. And uh, fittingly, this uh, gimmick, this uh, character actually appeared in the Royal Rumble this year, which was the Repo Man, uh, which was, was that Barry Darso's first gimmick in the WWF, or was that, that was after Smash, I guess, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was his second one. He, uh, when uh, Demolition broke up, I think it was because Axe got um, some sort of food poisoning over in Japan, and they brought uh, Crush in to replace him. And then uh, when uh, they repackaged Crush as Kona Crush, uh, they repackaged uh, Repo Man, or Barry Darso, um, as Repo Man, because they just had Smash doing um, job matches. So, uh, I actually, I watched the uh, Barry Darso shoot where he talked about um, Repo Man. The idea of Repo Man was, uh, was kind of like, uh, came from the Riddler from the old uh, Batman show. Yeah. And um, he actually wanted it to be a face, kind of like the Bushwhackers, because the uh, Bushwhackers they had a heck of a job in WWF. They uh, they got paid. They were kind of like ambassadors, and they're the ones that they'd send around. They were always over, didn't have to hurt themselves too much, sold a lot of gimmicks, got paid good money, and I think uh, that's what Barry Darso wanted to do. And it didn't work out that way. 
No, and I don't know why, because it's one of the, that was one of my favorite uh, characters in WWE. I love absolutely love the Repo Man. So there, I have uh, times where uh, I've been in into wrestling and out of wrestling. I, like I'm a hardcore wrestling fan. I love well, not hardcore wrestling. <clears throat> I am a I'm a big wrestling fan. I have been for years. But this was a period in time uh, as a kid when we didn't have cable, so I uh, really didn't have a way to watch WWF at that point. Uh, there was the uh, Saturday morning show, which was uh, what Superstars, I guess at that point. But uh, yeah, I think it was Superstars and Great American Wrestling too was on Sundays. Yeah, but I never, I, I didn't have an affiliate that played it that I know of. So um, yeah, I wasn't, I really wasn't aware of anything going on at this point. Uh, as far as WWF goes, I uh, I think I had an affiliate that played the WCW syndication uh, syndicated show. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, this was a dark period for me in the, in the WWF. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so uh, I I've gone back and I've seen some Repo Man stuff. Uh, it's it, he's a character, he's a character gimmick, just like uh, most, uh, pretty much everybody else, almost in, in, at this point in the WWF. Yeah, I I don't really get it so much. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely made to be a uh, kid friendly character, even though it was a heel. Um, I think the plan was to start him off as a heel and then turn him face. He's basically. So, uh, He's basically the cookie crook from Cookie Crisp Cereal. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was some of the inspiration for him, too. Definitely. Um, I just liked his, uh, just as a kid, um, I liked his, like, facial expressions um, and the way he moved around. I always thought of him uh, moving around like a bird. I can you know, like that. A bird takes a little short spurt and then stops and looks around and takes another little short spurt. That's how uh, that's how I always saw the Repo Man, and I loved his music. Repo, uh, Repo Man, yeah. I'm definitely uh, I'm a I'm a gimmick guy. I like the gimmicks. I mean, so I mean, for those who don't realize, I mean, you're a professional wrestler yourself. Yes, and you are a character wrestler. You play a character who's not like a normal person. Yeah, um, I'm the hillbilly JT Hog, and um, I don't I don't try to play it too unrealistic um i try to keep as much realism as as i can but um i mean i'm i'm funny i'm not like the the hill uh i think a lot of people's problems with hillbilly gimmicks is that they're uh kind of like being a stereotype of a hillbilly and making fun of the hillbillies but that's the majority of my fans are hillbillies so i don't want to make fun of my fans so you're in Ohio. Is this a more rural part of Ohio? Yeah. Uh, I do most of my wrestling in uh, uh, southern Ohio and West Virginia area. Oh, yeah. That's perfect. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty rural. Uh, a lot of the people in West Virginia, um, they're, uh, they're, they're really good crowds because um, I don't think they've been uh, smartened up yet. <laughs> <laughs> God. They, uh, I've seen uh, fans get in fights with uh, the heels and off to come out and be like, I'll take care of it. I'll get them. I'll get them for you to calm them down. There was but, a uh, wrestler that was recently shot, right? I, I read that in the news. Uh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, I heard there was a wrestler, uh, wrestler who was shot by a, an old woman, I think. Maybe maybe I'm not reading that right. But, like, people were complaining about it. and Like, I hear that, and I'm like, well, yeah, he's he had to be doing something right to get shot. It, I mean, he got heat like that. Oh, yeah, um... This was only uh, 
probably about probably about 10 years ago my uh uncle was also a professional wrestler under the name of jr hog and uh, he was wrestling um a guy down in west virginia and um the guy was getting a lot of heat well there was a, a guy in a wheelchair in the front row an older guy and he had a uh like a he was wearing a cover over his legs and um the heel of course was working that guy real real pretty real hard there he was getting a lot of heat from him and uh later on my uh uncle was outside smoking and that guy in a wheelchair came up to him he's like uh you know if uh you want me to i can take care of that that guy you're wrestling he's like oh i think i can handle it he's like no, I can take care of him. And he lifted up his uh, co- uh, cover over his legs, and he had a gun there. Wow. And my uh, my uncle's just like, no, don't worry about it. We'll we'll take care of it. I'll I'll get him. You know, like, and that was only ten years ago, pro- around ten years ago. So your uncle was wrestling that far back. I thought he I thought he was uh back in like the seventies and eighties. Uh, he um, he started wrestling probably about nineteen eighty one, eighty two. So, yeah, he was wrestling up to about, let's see, what year are we in? I get confused on the year sometimes. 2016. 2016, okay. Yeah, because uh, I, I remember we were talking <laughs> about your match with Dusty. And Dusty, you, I mean, cause you have the same last name. Your character has the same last name as your uncle. And Dusty had asked if uh, you were related to uh, to him. Yeah. Yeah, he would. Yeah, he was, uh, he was wrestling up until he died. So that would have been about, yeah, it would have been about 10 years ago probably. Wow. How, how how old was he at that point? Oh, he was only fifty four when he died. Okay. He uh, well, of course, wrestling's rough, rough on you. Yeah. Uh, especially uh, when they were handing out oxycotton's like uh, chiclets back then. When did you all- when did you, when did you actually get started? Uh, back in um, I started training in ninety nine. I didn't have my first match till about two thousand one. Okay. So, um, I did a, about a year of training, took, got hurt, took a little bit of time off, uh, started getting back into it and then actually started wrestling matches. And did your uncle train you? Uh, not initially. Um, he, uh, he didn't come in until about, probably about, actually about 2001. Um, cause I'd always heard, uh, he was kind of lost contact with the family. He was married to, um, one of my dad's sisters and, they got divorced and over is pretty much over wrestling. And uh, I always heard I had an di- uncle that a divorce was- because of the wrestling business. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what a shocker. huh? But, uh, so I'd always heard that I had had a uh, uncle in wrestling and, um, we finally got hooked up and, um, I wanted to be a wrestler anyway before, before I met him. And then he uh, started taking me around and showing me the ropes and, um, cause initially, well, I was trained by, uh, I was, uh, I was trained in a Heartland Wrestling Association probably around 99 to 2000. Um, that was a Les Thatcher school. Okay. And, um, there's a lot of guys down there like Cody Hawk and Dean Jabowski. And, um, I did a little bit, uh, a little bit of time there and then, um, took a little bit of time off, did a little, uh, I went down and, um, Got some additional training from Crash Holly down in uh, uh, Salisbury, North Carolina, around your neck of the woods. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, man, 30 minutes from here. And then um, that's when I started to uh, 
that's when uh, I hooked up back with my uncle and um, I learned a lot from the schools, but I learned the most from my uncle just being out, being out in the ring. I, you can only learn so much at the schools. Um, I think 90% of your learning comes from actually just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Just it, like anything. Yeah. I think pretty much anybody can do the moves. I mean, not all the moves, but you know what I mean? Um, but knowing when to do them in the right time and stuff like that, that's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. That's the psychology of it. And hopefully, uh, I'm, I'm assuming all our, uh, all our listening audience is uh, smartened up. So, man, I would actually, to be, <laughs> to be completely honest with you, I would much rather exist in a kayfabe world and do a kayfabe podcast, like where you know, um, get, being all pissed off at the heels and you know, uh, cheering on the baby faces just because you know they're the good guys. I I, I miss I miss the uh, innocence of not knowing. Oh yeah, it was. I, I can still remember as a kid just getting so infuriated when, uh, like, the heel would cheat. And I'd always get real excited when they'd Irish whip him because I knew that was a chance for the uh, face to do a comeback. Even though I didn't even know what a, a comeback or a face and a heel was at the time. But I was like, I was always like, whip him, whip him, because I knew something usually happened after that. Well, I mean, you're programmed to understand, you know, the, the sequence <laughs> of a match. Yeah. And, uh, Heck, even my dad, he uh, he was a big Hulk Hogan fan. He'd be always like, um, couldn't beat him on his own. He had to, had to have help. Yeah, I mean. Th- up to that, up like that until he died, too. There was a point in my life when I thought that Hulk Hogan was the closest thing that we had to a real-life a real superhero. Like, I really thought if things got really bad with Russia, that we would send Hulk Hogan over there and he would fix things. Yeah, that's funny because I used to think that, too. Because <laughs> he he gets shot and he just Hulk up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, yeah, I miss all that. Yeah, it was. It, it's definitely better to. It's like you don't want to know the magic trick. Um, I think that's what a lot of the a lot of the fans. I think they're. Uh, I mean, the internet just being everything out there. There's everybody knows all the terms now, and um, it's just not. I think that's what what uh, is going to hurt. Well, it already is hurting wrestling. I mean, I think Jim Cornette said it best when he can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah, yeah. So, man, I was watching uh, NXT, the uh, most recent uh, event they had uh, today, and I know people complain. Well, why can't the WWE be like uh, be like NXT? And my general thought is, well, you have NXT. Why can't you just enjoy that? Yeah, I mean, like WWE is what it is. I mean, it's it's booked a certain way, it's presented a certain way. I mean, it is what it is. But it's not like you can't enjoy NXT for what it is, and it's you get both. If you're fine with what the WWE proper is producing, that's great. But if not, you have NXT to watch. And heck, if you don't want to watch anything WWE, you still have Ring of Honor. You have all these other, you know, you ha- if you're a New Japan smart mark and you, you, you like that stuff, great. There's all sorts of wrestling to watch. Me, I prefer to watch, uh, I prefer to watch classic stuff for the most part. Yeah, that's uh, definitely what I prefer. Um, I watched, uh, I just watched a match the other day from um, 
the early fifties, it was the, a ballet wrestler and, uh, he was hilarious. I forget his name at the moment. It was like something star. Um, but it was just, it was great to watch like that old wrestling, like the, even going back into like the fifties and sixties, I, I like to watch like uh haystacks Calhoun and stuff like that. Buddy Rogers. Um, but my ultimate era in wrestling is probably 86 through 93. Yeah. Yeah. That's cause that's when I watched it the most. Yeah. Uh, it actually, I guess that's a, as good a segue as any into the card we're going to talk about this week, which is Royal Rumble 92. Uh, and it's been forever since I've watched this. And, and you, you yourself, you've watched this dozens of times, right? This is my absolute favorite pay-per-view of all time. And so uh, what is it about the pay-per-view that you love so much? Oh, uh, I, uh, it was exciting. I remember the excitement when I watched it back in 1992. Um, I think really with all the guys that were in the Royal Rumble, this was the most legendary star studded packed Royal Rumble they've ever had. Um, this guy, they, uh, this had stars from all eras. Um, all the, all the matches were really good. And, um, the ending was exciting. I remember I, I was just stunned that Ric Flair won. Spoiler. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it only happened but, 24 years ago. Yeah. Um, I, who would have thought back then with, uh, I mean, Hulk Hogan had won like three in a, or two in a row, two Royal Rumbles in a row. And, um, seeing Ric Flair get in there at number three and go all the way at the end was, was just absolutely amazing. So let's start off at the the top of the card. Uh, the new foundation, which was, I, and I don't even remember this again. I, this wasn't a period when I was watching, uh, wrestling Owen Hart and Jim Neidhart, uh, defeated the Orient Express, um, in a, uh, tag team match. Uh, I forget just how amazing Owen Hart was and how ahead of his time he was. It, it just the the um, moves that he's able to pull off, uh, just how clean they are, how uh, effective, how they look they look like they hurt. Uh, yeah, he has a he he, ha, he moves really really well, and he has a good psychology to him. It's he was really. I mean, between him and Brett, I mean, a lot of people say that Owen was the better heart. And watching this, I can't disagree. Yeah, he was doing, um, I mean, he did a Huracarana, and uh, Grill Monsoon didn't even know what it was called. It was 92, and it was Grill Monsoon. <laughs> he didn't even, uh, they hadn't even had names for those moves yet in America. Back then, we called like that a Frankensteiner or something. Uh, yeah, or, uh, our, what was the other one? Like a head scissors float over or something, something like they like were, that, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I thought this was an excellent, excellent tag match. Um, the psychology was great in it. Um, I mean, the Orient Express was, uh, at the time, Pat Tanaka and Kato, which Kato, um, what was his name? Paul, Paul Diamond. Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. And they were actually former AWA tag team champions. It was uh, there. I think they're called Bad Company. And um, then when they came, uh, they Orient Express was uh, originally uh, Pat Tanaka and another guy. And I don't know what happened to the other guy, but uh, they brought uh, Paul Diamond in to take his place. And of course, you got Jim Neidhart, half of the legendary Hart Foundation. Um, it was just, it was a perfect. It was almost a perfect tag match. It was a, a darn phenomenal match. Yeah. 
and it was good to see the Orient Express. Uh, they were one of my like I you know I wasn't much of a as a kid a heel guy, but there's something I I always liked and appreciated about the Orient Express. Uh, I don't know. I just uh, respected their, um, I guess, their work style. And um, I don't know. Never really been able been able to put my finger on it. But there's just always, I, I guess as a kid, I knew to appreciate good matches. Even though as a kid, I, you know, I was fine just watching a squash match. Or fine watching Hulk Hogan, you know, just obliterate somebody. Uh, but yeah, I, I always got a good match watching the, the Orient Express. Yeah, they were definitely used for getting over other tag teams, and they did a heck of a job at it. Uh, and uh, well, so overall, would you say they jobbed out, or they lost, or were they there to, um, to usually to lose to the um, to like the face tag team? I like, or I mean, I I can't remember them ever like holding the tag title. No, they uh, they started off kind of hot in the feud with the Rockers, where they beat the Rockers, and then that was pretty much it for them. Um, they were just used pretty much as a job tag team. Yeah, uh, they never held the WWF tag team title. Nope. Nope. Uh, of course, that was during a time that like, Legion of Doom were there, natural disasters, and you're not going to get a lot of... A lot of titles switched in during those things. And the Heart Foundation and the yeah, Rockers. Um, I think even uh, see Nasty Boys were there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some. this was also a great time in tag team wrestling. Like, this was when tag team wrestling was still respected, which is obviously a lost art today. Uh, WWF has been doing a great job recently uh, with the tag team division, I think. They uh, have more tag more tag teams right now than they've had in decades. Um, I, if you, if you're not watching the current product, you may want to check it out just to see what the tag team division looks like. I, I think they're doing a great job. Yeah. I watched a little bit of those, uh, the vaudevillians and the, um, that Enzo Morve and, uh, uh big uh, cast, big cast. Yeah. I did like those. I might have to give the current product maybe another chance. It's been a while. I like to go away for a couple of years and come back every once in a while. I mean, there's a lot of guys to like. You may not like the booking and things like that, but there's a lot of talent that's definitely um, that's definitely worth watching. I like uh, if, if Cesaro is pretty darned amazing. If you've uh, never watched him before, yeah, I was. Um, that was right around the time I quit watching before. What was the last time was uh, I started getting back into it a little bit with the Wyatts and Cesaro. And then they seemed like they messed those all up. And I was like, ah, well, I'm going to go away for a little while again. Uh, and you may have watched him uh, potentially in Ring of Honor or other places as uh, I guess actually it's his real name, which is uh, Claudio Ca- uh, Castagnoli. Um, he's been around for goodness uh, 15 years at this point. You may have you may have met him before. Yeah, I, I might have. I've been on, uh, like I've I've been on shows with guys like Dean Ambrose before, but I don't remember. I don't remember it. <laughs> I guess I didn't peg uh, Dean Ambrose as a big future star like when when I met him. Yeah, who would? Yeah, because uh, I have no memory of him at all. But uh, I have a poster with him on it, and I'm on that same poster. So <laughs> that's awesome. 
<laughs> okay, so going back to the show, uh, let's see here. The next match uh, that we had on the card was Roddy Piper versus the Mountie. Uh, as a kid, I man, I must have been a heel fan as a kid because I remember liking the Mountie a lot. Oh, the Mountie was just absolutely uh, hilarious to watch. He was very entertaining. Yeah, this is a, a short match. Um, and Roddy Piper defeated the Mountie. I can't remember. Was there a title? Was there a um, title change at this point? I think. Yes, yes. this is the Intercontinental title. Um, Bret Hart, uh, the Mountie had beat Bret Hart at a house show like a couple weeks before. Um, due to Bret Hart being, uh, they said he had like a 107 degree temperature or something. Wow. And, um, I, I, I don't remember the story behind that. I don't remember if he was injured or they just wanted to set up for Roddy Piper and Hart at WrestleMania. But, um, this was one of my, uh, Roddy Piper was one of my favorite wrestlers of, uh, and he was, uh, when he won the intercontinental title, it was was exciting to me as a kid because, uh, he had never held any other title before. And, uh, really Roddy Piper this time was still in his prime. I would say around this period was probably Roddy Piper's peak physical prime, maybe not his, uh, wrestling prime. But um, you think I so? Mean, I mean, he was, at this point he would have been what nearly mid thirties, right? Yeah, it was his second run uh, in the company. But um, I just remember him having some really great matches with guys like Bret Hart and Ric Flair and uh, Ted DiBiase and stuff like that. He would have been. He was thirty eight at that point. Oh wow! Yeah. Thank oh, you he looks pretty good at thirty eight. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he was born in 54, so in 92, he'd have been 38. Dang. He looked good. He really did. And the Mountie, uh, I I still sing his song every once in a while in my <laughs> head. Because uh, he, he was just hilarious. I think uh, later on, if we do, uh, I think it was, well, I don't remember if that was SummerSlam 92 or 91 with uh, his match with the big boss man where he got locked in prison. He, uh, the loser goes to jail match. Oh, I, I, I remember that. <laughs> them like fingerprinting them and stuff. Uh, anything, any uh, specific memories around this match before we go ahead to the next one? Uh, just that I was uh, very excited to see Roddy Piper win his first sing- uh actually his first title ever in WWF. Okay, cool. To think about such a historic career. He only had that one title reign. Uh, I think later he won the tag team titles with Ric Flair, but that was way, way, way later. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, I didn't remember that that one. So I just remember the Intercontinental. He was just a guy who just didn't need a title. He was uh, he was over no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see here. The Beverly brother uh, Beverly Brothers uh, defeated the Bushwhackers. And okay, so. <laughs> this was again a period when I wasn't watching, so I didn't really remember the Beverly Brothers, and I definitely didn't remember Jameson, who was with the Bushwhackers. I didn't care for Jameson. I thought he was very annoying. I did some research, and apparently he went on to do like a talk show or something. Or he's he a, was, or he's a com- he was a comedian, like an improv yeah. actor. Yeah, he debuted on the uh, when they were doing that Bobby the Brain Heenan show on primetime wrestling. Mm-hmm. And um, he was like Bobby's sidekick. 
but he was, I think he was just a comedian they brought in. Um, the Beverly brothers were another former AWA tag team champions. They were the Minnesota wrecking crew. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. And, um, of course, you have the genius out there, Randy Savage's brother. Yeah, Lenny, Lenny Poffo. Uh-huh. And, um, I mean, this this match was more like a... I seemed like this was a should have been a house show match. It didn't seem like it was a pay-per-view match to me. Because the Bushwhackers, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of stalling. And um, it was really... It was a long match. It was uh, 14 minutes and 56 seconds. Yeah. That's really long for a tag match like that, <laughs> and uh, I think the the Bushwhackers were, uh, of course, a gimmick I enjoyed when I was a kid. Uh, my friend Jason and I still uh, greet each other often by one of us says "cousin Luke," the other's like "cousin <laughs> Butch." Yeah, we yeah. So um, look each other's head. No, too. we don't get that f- oh. that far. Yeah, no. Well, that's the that's the best part. Nope, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, and the uh, next match was the Natural Disasters, which of course was Earthquake and Typhoon uh, defeated the LOD. Um, that's not something I would have, like. Seeing the Legion of Doom lose isn't really something that I you, you would see too often. No, it, it happened very rarely. But uh, the Natural Disasters, uh, man, those are two big agile men. Yeah, and uh, did you happen to see what the uh, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive uh, figure uh, from the WWE line is? <laughs> yeah, the, the Shockmaster. Shockmaster. I, I'm going to have to pick that up. Yeah, I might have to get that too. And of course, I only have like three or four wrestling figures, but that's got to be one of them. I've got, yeah, I've got like one or two. But, uh, of course, that's, that was Typhoon after he had uh, uh, left WWF. <laughs> that poor guy. Yeah, Fred Ottman. So, uh, just checking real quick. I thought he had passed away, but it seems like he's still alive. No, Typhoon's still alive. Earthquake uh, passed away. Yeah, John. Yeah, uh, colon cancer, or it was it was some sort of cancer down below. Yeah, I don't remember. But Earthquake was an amazing athlete. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, that drop kick he threw in the first like ten minutes of the match. I mean, coming from a one big guy to another, that's not easy. Um, I used to be, uh, I could, I used to be able to throw drop kicks around about 300 and 350 pounds, but my uh, drop kicking days are over. Hmm. But, um, I mean, earthquake was, he was six foot five, probably 450 pounds. Wasn't he? Something like that. Um, I think the natural disasters were a good fit against the Legion of doom just because the Legion doom runs roughshod over, over everybody, but they're not going to run roughshod over earthquake and typhoon. No. And to be completely honest, I was not the biggest, um, LOD or road warriors fan. Um, really their style is not necessarily my thing. And I don't know as, as, I mean, as a kid, I didn't really appreciate their gimmick so much as an adult. I, I like it better of course, because of, you know, the road warrior, but yeah. uh, as a kid, uh, I just thought they were a ripoff of uh, <laughs> Demolition. Of course, it was kind of the, it was the other way around. Well, that's uh, that's a funny thing. Um, I, I watched the uh, Demolition's shoot interview, and they were talking about they're like a lot of people were, said we were ripoffs of Legion of Doom. He's like, 
But you got to think, he's like, when they came to New York, a lot of people thought they were ripoffs of us. Yep. And um, they also brought up, a, Demolition brought up a good point, was Legion of Doom was very good at their style of match. But uh, a Demolition could have a good match with any different styles. Oh, I agree with that. I mean, I, I, Demolition was a, a all-around better tag team. Yeah. Yeah, like they could go out there and work the Rockers and – the Rockers would look great. They could work the Heart Foundation. They could work the um, Warlord and Barbarian. Uh, I just forgot their uh, tag name, but Powers of Pain. Yeah. And, um, Legion of Doom, they pretty much just gobbled everybody up. Yeah, not, huh. not one of my favorite teams. Yeah, they they were a lot of sizzle. Um, like their entrances with the shoulder pads and the, the Iron Man music. Like that was that was probably 90% of their, their matches right there. Mm-hmm. Cause really, if you watch their matches, I mean, they're not really that great. Yeah. At some point we probably need to look deeper into, uh, the road warriors to see what some of their better matches were, but they certainly are no, uh, there's certainly no, uh, rock and roll express or Midnight express or rockers or heart foundation or a tag team like that. Yeah. I think if we want to find their, uh, Probably their better matches would be probably AWA, yeah. Yeah. Like against Midnight Express or Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. Because Rock and Roll Express, they could work anybody. They were just one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Uh, Yeah, and uh, I always get a little thrill meeting them uh, whenever, like, the Mid-Atlantic NWA Legends Fan Fest or whatever. uh, Because they're always very very friendly. Uh, Just great guys. Yeah, Ricky Morton. Uh, I've I've worked uh, a few shows with him. He's just he'll just sit back and talk and talk and talk. Uh, let's see here. What else we got on the card? Uh, oh, okay. I guess we go to now the uh, Royal Rumble, the main event. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned before how this is probably the most star-studded event. So let me just run through all thirty guys real quick. British Bulldog, Ted DiBiase. Uh, Ric Flair, Jerry Sags, Haku, oh my god, Haku is frightening, uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, Tito Santana, uh, The Barbarian, uh, Texas Tornado, Repo Man, Greg Valentine, Nikolai Volkoff, Big Boss Man, Hercules, Roddy Piper, Jake Roberts, Jim Duggan, IRS, Jimmy Snuka, The Undertaker, Randy Savage, The Berserker, I'm not a big fan of The Berserker as a kid, uh, Virgil, uh, Mustafa, or uh, The Iron Sheik, um, I don't get I don't get why they called him Colonel Mustafa at all. I think it was just to give him a job. I think probably because everybody knew who he was. This is probably when he was on cocaine. That very well could have been. Uh, Rick Martel, Hulk Hogan, Skinner, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, Sid Justice, and the Warlord. Uh, so yeah, a huge card. I mean, this is just an amazing group of uh, wrestlers from the you know eighties uh, and nineties. Uh, some of the some of the wrestlers were you know the tr- sort of trail end of their um, tail end of their uh, career. Yeah. Uh, uh, others were you know like uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, of course, hadn't even come close to hitting his full potential yet. Yeah, he is uh, just fresh off of his heel turn. Yeah. During this, like uh, the thing on the uh, barber shop, I think happened the week before. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember that- if you watch it. Shawn Michaels is actually working like a uh, face in the Rumble. This was the probably the best commentary ever, too, between Bobby and Gorilla. 
um, they were absolutely just on fire for this whole thing. Because uh, Bobby, of course, was had an invested interest in Ric Flair. Yeah. And um, Gorilla, Bobby kept trying to get up, and Gorilla's like, you sit back down, you're a broadcast journalist. <laughs> like, they're, they were, they're probably two of my favorite announcers. Uh, the chemistry between the two, just ridiculous. Yeah. You could definitely tell that they're uh, real good friends. Or enemies, depending yeah. on how you got it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this roster, you have uh, like Texas Tornado from uh, um, the uh, Texas. Um, just uh, left my mind. World Class. Mm-hmm. You had a Texas Tornado from World Class Wrestling. Was um, this before or after the accident? This was uh, after. So he was running around without a foot. Yeah, match. yeah, he didn't have a foot in this match. Wow. Um, of course, you have Ric Flair, NWA champion. Um, I mean, the the champions here, all the champions are in this match are just, it's phenomenal. I mean, you have uh, you have the Iron Sheik, you have Hogan, you have Randy Savage, you have the Undertaker, who would become, you know, at this point we didn't realize, but he would become one of, if not the most important guy in WWF history. Uh, Piper. Yeah, Rick Martel, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, big uh, big boss man who was of course huge in uh, JCP. Yeah, yeah. See, like all these guys were uh, big stars. They were like the the big stars of the territory days. And uh, I think that's why I like this match so much because it's like it's pretty much a snapshot of all the different territories and all the best guys. When you put it that way, uh, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, this was, by this point, uh, the WWF was close to, if it hadn't already, pretty much cemented itself as... Um, so by this point, they, who was still who was still left? So you had uh, Jim Crockett had sold to Turner by this point, right? Yeah, WCW was in full swing, because that's why Ric Flair left. Uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah, of course, uh, because of uh, what's his name, uh, because of Jim Hurd. Jim Hurd, yeah. Wanted to, uh, at one point, I think they wanted him to cut, his, cut off his hair, cut, his hair and cut off something Spartan. Spartan, yeah. Would you have still been a Ric Flair fan if that would have happened? I Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would have made it work, probably. As a uh, Ric Flair fan, uh, did you watch this live? No, I, no, I, I never, as a kid... It was uh, the first pay-per-view I actually ever watched live legally uh, was in WWF In Your House, which was uh, Good Friends, Better Enemies, which actually featured the main event. It was uh, Shawn Michaels and Diesel uh, for the WWF title. I remember that one. Yeah. Well, I get... uh... I could imagine being a Ric Flair fan watching this and just going absolutely nuts. As a kid, so here's the thing. So my, my love for Ric Flair uh, has blossomed uh, in adulthood. Like um, going back and watching the Jim Crockett stuff, watching um, WCW. Uh, like as a kid, I was totally um, WWF Mark. Uh, I didn't really get into the more Southern style of wrestling until I was an adult. So – Watching it back then, I would have probably have uh, when I probably would have wanted Hogan to win. Now that's true, yeah. By this point, 
kind of funny. Like by this, I feel by by ninety seven, I think of myself as mostly an adult. But by this point, I definitely think of myself as a child. Uh, definitely by this point, I'm pretty sure I still believed it was real. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I was this was ninety two, so I'd have been eleven. Yeah, I was thirteen. Um, so I'm pretty sure I did believe. I remember my mom always was like, "It's not real." I'm like, "Yeah, it is." I forgot who it was, uh, but I was reading a book or listening to an interview where somebody said that they um, knew wrestling was fake. They enjoyed it anyway. May, may have, heck, it may have been Jim Ross, uh, but the person's father had been in the army and just knew from the way the wrestlers were fighting that if they were actually making contact, they would be killing each other. And the <laughs> fact that they didn't die, his father knew that it was fake. You know, and like when you think about it, that makes perfect sense. Because I just thought maybe they took some substance on their skin and they made their skin tougher. Yeah, I I have I I have no idea how I rationalized wrestling being real, Uh, but I did, and it was it was a wonderful thing. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be be pretty awesome to go back to that. Oh my god! Okay, so uh, I said this was the first pay per view that I ever watched. Live, and I, uh, in your house. So seven, which is good friends, better enemies. I'm looking at the wiki uh, to uh, just to see when it was. I couldn't remember. It was in '96, so this would have been in the down period. They only had 9,500 people in attendance. Wow, that's crazy. Man, that's a uh, that's like TNA TNA level. Uh, TNA doesn't get that many people. Oh, they don't anymore. No. Oh, shoot. like uh, I'm like I was in the uh, venue where they had their uh, their big card of the year, uh, which was um, goodness. Um, what is their big card? I I, I forget. Slammiversary, I think. Yeah, but like I'm going to go see a Ring of Honor pay per view at the end of the month in the same venue. It probably holds a thousand people. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking back at WrestleMania 12, which was the uh, mania before uh, this in your house. In attendance, 18,000 people. Jeez. Yeah. Well, that's like this was a huge down period for WWE uh, or WWF. I remember they uh, uh, Jim Cornette talking about um, the uh, Royal Rumble where Shawn Michaels wrestled Sid in his hometown. And uh, they could barely f- fill out a... Um, the stadium there, they had to give away all the tickets. They slashed the prices and they still couldn't fill it out. It was just, uh, it was a very, very dark, uh, downtime. Like yeah. it was uh, pretty rough for them. And really even WCW wasn't doing that hot. Then it was just no. nobody watching wrestling. No, w- WCW definitely not doing that well. At this That's point. why like, uh, I always like whenever they talk about like Shawn Michaels being the greatest, I'm like, well, he was one of the lowest drawing champions of all time. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think we can close the door on Royal Rumble 92. Let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about uh, the next show we're going to cover. So we're going to talk about SummerSlam 92 next week, which, uh, of course, featured the uh, match between uh, the British Bulldog versus Bret Hart. And this was uh, – filmed or took place in Wembley Stadium in London, England. Well, I'm just really excited to see the uh, Nails against Virgil match. 
sure. <laughs> God, I forgot nails was a thing. Yeah, that was uh that one didn't last too long. He wasn't around. Well, of course, when you choke out the boss, you're probably not going to last very long. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week then. That that that'll be pretty <laughs> exciting. So, okay, so hey, we got our first episode in the uh in the bag. It's it's um I, I this will be fun. I think once we we start filling this out, uh, we'll um, probably get closer to that thirty minute mark. I think we're probably around forty five minutes. So, uh, yeah. So everybody out there listening, uh, if you have a certain uh, card you want us to cover, uh, shoot us uh, an email contact at tfradio.net or send us a tweet at just just do our normal uh, uh, site Twitter, which is at tfradio. And tell us, hey, uh, you know, what, what card you want us to talk about. and uh, Or if there's a gimmick that you want us to talk about for the gimmick of the week, uh, just uh, shoot us a note. Let us know. So, Joey, uh, any parting thoughts? Uh, well, I just hope everybody enjoyed the show. And uh, we, uh, I think we enjoyed doing it. And uh, we just want to share our wrestling memories with everybody. And hopefully they can enjoy it, too, and watch along with us. And if... Uh, people are listening that have never seen these shows, maybe we can expose them to some really good wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, lots of great wrestling out there uh, to watch. Um, and heck, actually, talking about exposing people to great wrestling, if there's some great wrestling going on now, we may actually talk about a recent card just uh, to get people out there who may be a lapsed fan um, you know, back into watching wrestling. So who knows? That could be me. Yeah, awesome. Maybe we'll do an NXT or a Ring of Honor show. I would definitely be up for that. I know uh, Rob Springer already requested Ring of Honor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, well, for Joey, I've been Brian Kilby. We will see you next week. <laughs>